Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Welcome back to another episode of Within the Lines, the podcast where two best friends use their patent-pending movie ranking scale to determine the true quality of a film. Today is Wednesday, May 10th, 2023, and today we are reviewing the latest, the 32nd movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3. How many is it if you include TV shows? I don't know that off the top of my head. I don't even know if 32 is the right answer. It just sounded right. <laughs> You just made it up? Well, I saw previously, like, I saw something previously, and I think it said 32, but I'm not 100% sure I didn't fact check, check that. Okay. Um, but it sounds right. Yeah. If you I, say anything confidently, it sounds true. I was all in on it. Um, Guardians 3. Yeah, Ty. The movie last week I said I was not very excited for. Yeah. That everyone seems to love. 32. I nailed that. Love that. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to talk about this. I just went and saw this last night. Still fresh on the mind. Um, I'm excited about your research that you've been talking about, that you've been doing, supposedly. Just been on TikTok um, all day. That's new for you, you know, being prepared for the podcast. <laughs> so I'm excited. I'm, I'm more excited to hear what you have to offer to this conversation than I am for the conversation itself. Oh, yeah. It's almost like a test. Yeah. I can't wait. Let's get in the show. 60% of the time, it works every time. John Samos. What? We just become best friends. Yep. I don't feel so good. Oh. I'm not fucking leaving. <laughs> the show goes on. The Guardians of the Galaxy must face both their former mistakes and their past trauma in order to save the ones they love most. And learn to love themselves in the process. What? Who wrote that? Me. Love themselves. Are we sure about that? Yeah, 100%. Stop jumping from lily pad to lily pad and learn how to swim. Didn't even know what that meant. I'll be honest. That's an analogy in the film for those who are have not seen the film yet. And if you haven't seen the film yet, thank you for listening to this anyways. We're going to spoil the hell out of it. So that's your warning. Yeah. Real bummer for you getting this spoiled. But uh, you really didn't understand that analogy? No. See, if you're jumping from lily, you know what lily pads are, right, Jay? We're going to start yeah, at ground zero here. I do. Um, if you're jumping from lily pad to lily pad, it's probably because you don't like being in the water. You're afraid to be in the water. So stop jumping from lily pad to lily pad. Start swimming. But what is the lily pad and what is swimming? Uh, it's him um, using other people as emotional crutches. Mm. He's so focused on them that he doesn't have to focus on himself. Got it. Cool. Um. Yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, as you said, seems to be getting received decently well. Uh, the critics, eighty-two percent on Rotten Tomatoes with three hundred five reviews, which is actually like it's certified fresh, but it's on the lower end. Um, yeah, just of Marvel films, but it does have the ninety-five percent audience score. So the audiences are loving it, and that's what's most important to Disney's bottom line. Um, and you know, a chance to return to form. I mean, don't get me wrong, but I can't. Black Panther: Wakanda Forever was solid. I actually reworked my MCU rankings. I do that after every MCU movie. I could talk about that at the end. 
and I did move it down from where I originally put it after seeing it. I think it's natural to maybe overrate stuff a little bit, and that might happen here. Who knows? I'm guilty of it. I'm not going to pretend like it doesn't happen. But, you know, there is recency bias and things, and once you can kind of step back and take the grander picture. And Black Panther Wakanda Forever was great. I would say it was great. But that's kind of been the only great thing I think they've made in Phase 4, Phase 5. I mean, no. See, I, I don't know. It's been so hit and miss with them, so I can't even say that. Yeah, because I was going to say, like, Shang-Chi was wonderful. I love Spider-Man. Spider-Man no was home. very good. It's my second favorite MCU movie ever. Yeah. I stand by that. That's very high up there. But then you also have misses like Eternals. No, but and I get your point. Black Widow. Yes. Which you gave a very similar score to Eternals, I'm pretty sure. No. Um, and Thor Love and Thunder, which was not a horrible film in the widespread thing, but was definitely disappointing and horrible compared to the standards that were set on it. It's like milk. It is just soured and soured over time. Yeah, maybe you need to watch it again. I don't know. I feel like it's just soured over time. But have you watched it again? No. Gotta give that a try. Hey, man, in the Lost Quantum Mania? Wasn't good at the time. Mm-mm. We said that. We gave it not that great of a score. Yeah. It was a Fantastic Four movie that became an Ant-Man movie because of logistical reasons. Mm-hmm. And then the shows, again, hit and miss. You know, WandaVision, Loki, and then you have shows like, you know, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I, I would argue it's not even hit and miss. It's just like hit, hit. Everything else has been okay. I don't know what you mean by that. <laughs> like WandaVision and Loki were very good. And then the shows just from then have been. Oh, with the shows. I get almost consistently mediocre. Moon Knight was good. We were, we were hyping up Moon Knight at the time. Yeah. But even then, like it's good, but there was a gap between it and Loki and WandaVision. I would say. Oh, for sure. Pretty comfortable gap. For sure. hundred percent. Like Hawkeye. It was fine. Meh. She-Hulk was not great, but fine. Not good. Miss Marvel. Didn't watch it. Not gr- at all. Mm-mm. That's wild. I think I watched the first two episodes. Just and then just out. couldn't. It just didn't catch my interest. Nothing against Miss Marvel, but teen yeah. coming of age, like, I don't know. That just, I just didn't feel like the audience for that. I feel like that was like a show for a younger audience. Oh, that's fair, Jay. Um, But I was also busy at that point in my life, probably. That's a good excuse to have. But no, I like I said, I wasn't excited for this film because of kind of Marvel's recent track record of things. And... But it is Guardians. It is James Gunn, who is now the creative head of the DCU. And, you know, it's characters we know and love, and it's a trilogy everyone knows and loves. And I'm not super high on Guardians 2. I think it's a good film, but I don't think it's anything special. But Guardians 1 is obviously fantastic. And these movies just kind of stand a little bit different from the rest of the MCU thematically and kind of storyline-wise. You know, they've always been kind of disconnected, and they were a little bit thrown into the... Not thrown in, but them coming into Infinity War and Endgame definitely was a, you know... Fish, not fish out of water. I don't even know if that's a good analogy, but you get what I'm saying. You just got a little off track there based on the, the... I mean, this is a very, very self-contained trilogy. 100%. Outside of them getting thrown into the other stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, the first one, like, there's the Power Stone. And I, I guess it's almost self-contained, but it's also the most consequential because it's directly dealing with Thanos. I think it connects in a way where stuff that happens in this movie affects things outside of it. But stuff outside of it haven't seemed to really affect inside of it. No, like there's zero mention of Thor in this film. Yeah. Um, they just said, screw that. We're just not going to even bother. bother. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, I'm excited about your research, Ty. I don't know if you want to jump on that now mm-hmm. before we get into the scale, if that's something that's going to come naturally in the scale. What do you think? I didn't, I, again, research. I just watched YouTube videos. I usually don't watch YouTube videos. Well, your text message very much said you were doing research. Yeah, I watched so YouTube videos. I'm just quoting TikToks. you, though. I mean, I got some stuff. 
Well, hit me. It's mostly just like worked into the scale, though. Okay. I got tidbits. Got little tidbits. Fair enough. Fair enough. Do you want to jump in the scale? Do you have anything else to talk about? How was your movie-going experience? <sighs> Went to the drive-in. Was supposed to go to the 8 o'clock showing. Um, mm-hmm. We decided, no, it's fine. We'll go to the 9 o'clock showing because Victoria was at a dance competition. Mm-hmm. She did not get home even remotely close to in time for us to make it to the 9 o'clock show. Oh, showing. you guys went home and then to the drive-in? We did. Um, Interesting choice. Well, she was at the competition. I was not. Was the competition down the hill? Yeah, it was like 15 minutes away from the drive-in. Why didn't you just meet at the drive-in? Because uh, we didn't want to take two cars. Fair. So she was going to come So why home. didn't you just go to the competition? I think that's the real question. Uh, I didn't really want to go. Hmm. Uh, ended up watching the 1130 showing. Uh, just very, very late. It is. She fell asleep through most of it. So I heard. Yeah. She has no idea what happened in the second half of this film. So I heard. Yeah. But. More than the second half. <laughs> she fell asleep 30 minutes in. It was a significant amount. Yeah. Um. With that being said, I was wide awake. I was glued to the fucking screen, Jay. <laughs> I I can't wait to talk about this film because it, it, I don't know, man. It just makes me feel like how the old MCU movies used to make me feel. I can't, like, even Spider-Man No Way Home, even Shang-Chi, like, those are good. Nah, I was hyped up for Spider-Man No Way Home. No, 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 but, like, those are good, but they didn't make me, f- it, it was a different kind of, like, holy shit kind of thing you know what i mean whereas this just felt like good mcu that's fair and in the oddest way because it's so like disconnected from the mcu that's fair are you gonna ask me how my movie theater experience was how was your movie theater experience today it was fine went to the movie theater at the mall nothing really to report (laughs) nice i mean it's just feel safe i do ironically feel safer at that movie theater than i do the just ranch one why because they have security at the door and they check bags and stuff. Oh, no shit. Yeah. So they're just on top. They're proactive at yeah. that theater. Yeah. Okay. I dig it. Um. So actually, I actually feel a little safer there, as ironic as that sounds, because the mall is not the greatest area where we live. But that's okay. Not at all. It's like once a month shooting. <laughs> it's not that bad. But it feels there like was it. a period of time where that was true. Feels like it. I don't like going over there. Do you want to jump in the scale, Ty? Yeah, let's talk about it. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This is a story of Mr. Rocket Raccoon, Ty. And we can call him Rocket Raccoon now. He self-identifies as Rocket Raccoon now, yeah? Even though that's always kind of been his name, like in comics and stuff. But as he said for a long time, I'm not a raccoon. Yeah. We find out he is a raccoon, which kind of no shit. Yeah, Very much a raccoon the entire time. Just now realized it. This is a story of raccoon, and this is something that James Gunn has alluded to in the past when talking about this film. He has mentioned that the third film, you know, the first film is kind of the story of all them, whatever. 
Second film kind of completes Peter's arc a little bit. Obviously, there's still more depth to the character, but was a big Peter thing. And then he mentioned before this film was even made that the third one was rocket-based. You know, that's going to see his arc complete and his characterization complete. Um, and that's what this was. You know, he gets hurt early on. And the whole film is pretty much built around not only saving him and rescuing him, but then they were also getting revenge for him. And Rocket was getting revenge for himself, standing up to his greatest fear and to the man who created him, Ty. What did you think of this plot? What did you think of the story being told? What did you think of the pacing? The th- well, maybe not the thematic elements. We'll get to that in a second. But yeah. what did you think of the story that was told in this film? I, I think Rocket is the focal point and the driving force for the movie and his story, which is incredible. But it really is like an all-around conclusion for these characters no matter what the post credit scene says no matter what happens like this feels like this group of characters that we've seen throughout one two holiday special infinity war and and this one like this group the story is over yeah it's the story of the guardians of the galaxy is over you can still have stories that have star lord which i don't think he's gonna stand alone but it's fucking chris pratt they're gonna put him in a a team-up movie yeah um you can have, you know, Rocket with his new version of the Guardians, which I'm sure they'll do something with at some point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but, you know, Drax is done. Nebula, you know, could reappear, but it, they're done, like you said, as a team. And this this ended the story of the Guardians of the Galaxy without killing anyone off. Which, shout out to James Gunn. I thought you were going to say shout out to Jason Reed, I'll be honest. No, because you very much thought Drax was going to die. I said they were teasing the death so much that I didn't feel like it would happen, but I did say that with Rocket, to be fair, not with Drax. But no, any you didn't say no one was going to die. You're right. So uh, to be fair, a lot of people did die in this film. Lots of dead people, just <laughs> none of our main guardians. Um, yeah, I mean, he was able to wrap up this story in a conclusive way, wrap up the story of these characters in a conclusive way, and but w- still give the Marvel heads what they want in being able to use those characters in the future. <laughs> Yeah, 100%, but it it really felt like the conclusion of something that we just haven't gotten in the MCU. Obviously, we've everything's built up to Endgame, and Endgame was such a big jumping off point and not jumping off point, but you know, obviously the ending and then yeah. everything else was after that. And we've had like introductions to Shang-Chi and the new, you know, Wakanda Forever and that new aspect and all these new characters and all this new setup where this felt like it took a little bit longer, but this really feels like the ending for these characters yep. where everything else ended in end game. This one kind of was still lingering and it felt very conclusive. Something I would argue kind of like the end of civil war where you have the Avengers and then like after at the end of civil war where it's cap and Tony fighting like, that will never be the same again. You kind of get the same vibe from this, where this will never be the same again. Yeah, they don't universe. really do that with other things. Even Civil War, there was still, yeah, it was. It'll never be the same again. But it was still kind of those character stories were being told because the ultimate end for Tony Stark and Captain America was kind of coming back together and yeah, sacrificing and you know Tony Stark sacrificing Captain America, kind of going back in time, living the life he always wanted. Um, but these other trilogies and these other films in the MCU, like they don't have that same conclusive, you know, and we might not just be there yet with some characters. Maybe there will be a conclusive end for Dr. Strange. Maybe there will be a conclusive end. I mean, even Spider-Man was like, 
not really a conclusive end. Like it kind of was like no one knows who Peter Parker is, but then Spider-Man's still there. And, and then he immediately goes and sees MJ after forgetting who she is, like yeah. teasing that that's still going to go on. Yeah. And you know, Thor, yeah, they're, they're phasing in the young Avengers with, you know, um, love the character, which was a Christian Bale's daughter. And like, there's transition phases in these other trilogies. And there has been like even Iron Man three, like, was there really like a conclusive, like when you look at it in the grand scheme of things, was there like this story arc where there was a conclusive Tony Stark ending? I don't really think so. Yeah, not so, at all. Yeah. Um, this kind of is the first one. I mean, you get a little bit of it, I guess, with kind of Black Panther Wakanda forever, kind of forced because, you know, the main character dies. So you kind of have to end that character, but then spawn it into like a different storyline that you're telling with Shuri. And yeah. Um, so even that, like it wasn't planned and it wasn't the same because they still continued. Yeah, but then again, this could be, if I'm just uh, playing devil's advocate, it could be a little bit easier to do this thematic quote-unquote ending because he didn't kill anyone off. He's just ending the group, which is still going on with at least one or two of the characters with Rocket and Groot. So I don't know, but he did. it, it was a good enough job where it definitely does feel like the ending and we're not going to get the Guardians anymore, Ty. Yeah. I, I think that tied in with how well they, they addressed like, the trauma and and grief and all these different story elements built in with this, it it was a fucking masterclass of a movie. Wow! To end a trilogy, wow! Like it really was w- with the storytelling of Rocket and just that entire like you look at it as a movie, but you look at it as the trilogy as a whole and the conclusive endpoint of this trilogy and the storylines that they've been telling throughout with Rocket, with Chris Pratt, with I mean fucking you know Drax even and. Mm-hmm. It just all comes together about as perfectly as you could hope for a trilogy to tie together and, and just put a bow on it. That's fair. And that definitely gets credit. I didn't, I, I gave like the score is good. I didn't want to overrate the plot slash story just because they did a good job of tying up the overall thing. Cause the overall, you know, story that was tied up was really good, but I don't know. I'm kind of looking at it from this story by itself and, I don't know. It was contained. I like that. Like it, it didn't, the the stakes of the world wasn't at, you know, it wasn't the world at risk. You think of the best movies so far in the, in the phase four and beyond like Shang-Chi, the world's not at risk. I guess technically if that like dragon gets out, whatever the world's at risk, but very much at risk, but it was very also much a, a Shang-Chi thing and like his people and kind of, you know what I mean? Like sure. The world was at risk, but it was also, it was more dire, more immediate was kind of fixing a problem that was related to the character and not everyone else, you know, whereas yeah. Dr. Strange two, it's, you know, um, the Wanda. multiverse is yeah. ending or whatever, you know, Wanda. And, um, Thor. I mean, I guess it's not totally the whole world because, you know, Gore just wants to kill gods, but this was a very contained story that was just mattered to them. The universe wasn't going to explode. If fucking rocket didn't get saved. Like it, it draws on the family dynamic of the guardians and those elements. And it, it like, that's what it taps into with the storytelling, which makes sense because all these movies have been like that. You know, the first guardians, I mean, yeah, there's the power stone stuff, but it's still tying into the group itself. The second one's about Chris Pratt and that family dynamic. And the third one is rocket, his family dynamic. Um, and the, the family coming together, you know, of the guardians. What did you give this Ty? I'm, I'm thinking you're going to give it like an 18 or 19 the way you're talking about it. I'm, I'm much higher than on it than you. I, I view it as, the end of the trilogy, but also just as a standalone story, the flashback scenes and the way that everything's interwoven and you get this, the flashbacks where it's a high and low and high and low of modern, you know, present and past. And, um, 
the stuff with Quill and him addressing like losing the love of his life, but also not kind of losing the love of his life. Yeah, was done very very well. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah, man, I'm very high on this story. Give your score first. I give it a 16 out of 20. Oh, so you're also pretty high on it. Yeah, I am. I'm at a 19. Oh my goodness gracious. I wow. <laughs> I'm at a 19. I fucking loved this story. It was emotional. The pacing was was perfect. I feel like I wasn't bored at all throughout this entire film. I feel like it made you laugh and cry all through the storytelling. And it makes you care for this fucking robot otter that we get for like 20 minutes. And so much is done with that that makes you understand these characters in three other films so much yeah. more deeply. Mm-hmm. To where, like, everything online right now is people talking about how Raccoon is the best written character in all of the MCU. You said Raccoon pretty funny. I, I did, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Raccoon. <laughs> it's, they're, and it's, they're not wrong. Like, it's done so well. To, yeah. to where he just has this layers upon layers and layers of depth. And you understand it and see the character arc and the growth throughout it. But also just this entire group of just, like... Uh, I don't know misfits you could yeah, say they're misfits coming together and like learning to love each other and it's that found family dynamic that it's it's so fucking good I've never given a 19 for plot slash story fun fact what's the highest you've given a few 18s so you never give a 19 or a 20 correct okay <laughs> I mean I I think the story by itself is very 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 good but when you also add in the fact that it's just the perfect ending to a trilogy. Yeah. That's so hard to do. No, for sure. It's so hard to do. And the story, like, I can't think of a better way for them to have done it. Obviously, there's more different types of stories out there that maybe will be, you know, 20 and they're just these perfect, incredible, timeless stories. Obviously, maybe a notch below that. But for easily the best trilogy in the MCU... I was having this conversation with Riley, but I don't know if you could say that. Easily the best trilogy in the MCU to be tied together so perfectly. Well, you, get you, you bringing up Civil War. I said yesterday that Guardians was the best trilogy. I forgot that Civil War is a Captain America movie. so It is. Captain but, America 1 and 2 is, come on, man. I haven't seen them, and I know people love them. Captain America 1 is not as loved as you may think. Okay, I put that on the same level as Guardians 2, then. How about that? Sure. But then Captain America 2. <laughs> but even with that trilogy, it's such a... Like, the Winter Soldier is him and all of his buddies, and then Captain and Civil War is so reliant upon other characters. Like, it doesn't feel like a Captain America trilogy, whereas this feels like a Guardians of the Galaxy trilogy. Yeah, that's fair. Like, those just feel like Avenger, you know, Avengers 2.5. No, definitely. Should have been Avengers 2. 0.5. Ultron kind of sucked. I'm saying just make Civil War Avengers 2 and just don't do Ultron. Okay, just go make real. Ultron Iron Man 4. That's how I'm going to be uh, categorizing these films now. Fuck yeah. Age of Ultron's Iron Man 4 and Civil War is uh, Avengers 2. Okay. N- now the Avengers tri- Avengers trilogy? Quad- you don't quadrilogy. Think- oh, th- see, that's the thing. It's like, yeah. I can forget Age of Ultron. Age of Ultron brings it down. You take Age it's of Ultron out, you think Avengers trilogy is better than Guardians trilogy? I mean, you've said Infinity War is like the best movie of all time, so. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's up there. It's up there. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you. Um, no, I see what you're saying, and I, I, I see what you're saying. I still gave it a very high score. I just, you know, I, I think when I go in those ep- upper echelons, echelons, I mess that word up every time. I still don't yeah. know if I'm saying it right. 
I think of stories like Inception or which Everything you, Everywhere All at Once. Which we've reviewed and you didn't give. Or Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. Which you still haven't given in 18. Or The Hunger Games, which is a weird movie to give an 18 to. Fuck yeah, Jay. But I did it. Yeah. No, I Look, I get you. I love the MCU. I love what they they did, and I've been down on them here recently, but this is the best standalone story in the entire series franchise. That feels like a bold claim that I can't fact check or think of. Go movie to movie. There's only 32 of them. That makes for great radio tie. Let's go. 32 of them. Starting right now. Infinity War? I I said standalone. Infinity War is not a standalone. It's a collection of different shit. Like, there's a beginning and end, and it's one story, whereas Infinity War is all these other plot points and shit coming together and tying together. That's incredible, and that's great, but I'm talking, you know, Iron Man, Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2, Thor, Captain America, and then Iron Man 3, Thor, The Dark World. I mean, Black the Winter, Widow? The Winter Soldier is probably the next closest. Black Widow? Shut the fuck up. What a terrible movie. Ant-Man and the Wasp? Terrible movie. So our friend over uh, the fan side network, Bam Smack Pal, Michael Patterson, who ranks all the MCU movies, he's had a long running shout list. Out to, shout out to him being my friend now, despite. Never We're all him. friends here. Love that. Yeah. Great community. Ranks this movie a little low. I disagree with him. But it's okay. We can have different opinions. Guardians of the Galaxy 3? Ranks at 15th out of 32. Oof. Right behind Guardians of the Galaxy 1. Yes, Guardians of the Galaxy 1 at 14th? Yeah. Oof. I don't want to re- say the next thing I want to say because I don't want you to say anything mean, Ty, because this is a love podcast. We all love each other. Whoa, don't tell me if he's got Ant-Man and the Wasp above it. He's got Black Widow at 12. No! <laughs> What's my friend's name? Michael Patterson. Okay, I'm not going to say anything. Just... I get what you why you gave it a 19. And best standalone, I don't know. I'd have to sit on that, let it simmer. And maybe I come to that conclusion on my own time. Story-wise? I think it was a great story. Don't get me wrong. I gave it a 16. Incredible story. It's self-contained, but it's also bigger. It has the flashback sequences. It makes sense. It gives depth to this character that, you know, maybe wasn't previously there. It's been hinted to, but for a long time, Rocket just looks like an asshole. And they give depth to this and really brings in that family dynamic. They have some nice tie-ins for the other characters to tie it all up. The Drax being a better dad, not being a destroyer, being a dad. Being the only one who actually loves himself or doesn't hate himself cuts deep. Well, I'm going to jump to key elements here real quick because one of the key elements in this is emotion, I feel like. Mm. Um, it's a very family-told story, and you're naturally going to get emotion out of that. Every movie's looking to get emotions, looking to get some waterworks. Some do it a little bit more effectively than others. Yeah. Um, this movie's a little bit different. There was kind of like some minor animal torture, which if that kind of stuff triggers you, like you might not like this film just because of that. Like. It's this all CGI. It's Peter all... gave this movie an award. Did it really? Yeah. Like like a good award? Yeah. I don't... Well, it's bringing aware. <laughs> Is this another Jonathan Majors thing? Have you actually fact-checked this? Uh, PETA gives James Gunn an award for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, an animal rights masterpiece. Well, I think it addresses some of the uncomfortable things and comes to a good conclusion, and, and it kind of has the meta-commentary on animal abuse and everything. But there are... Not super uncomfortable scenes, but like some pretty heart wrenching stuff. Oh, million percent. You know, so shout out to Peter though. But the emotions, the emotions in this film, you know, like I was crying, I was tearing up, and I was almost at a breaking point. I was almost at a dog's purpose breaking point. Oh yeah, and I I stayed because once you hit that, you can't stop. You like it's it's just 
It's a constant flow until the credits you, roll. You get over that like that hill and that crescendo, and it's just like you're not coming back from it. And I almost hit it when they did the Drax line. That's why I wanted to transition straight into this. Oh, yeah? You said Drax, you're not destroy your dad? Man, I'm getting a little teary. I think about it. I'm not oh, even yeah. a father. You're a father. Yeah. No, I got it. It fucked me up. <laughs> and like dad-related things. Yeah. Mitchells versus the Machines. Love it. Dad dynamic. Fablemans. Dad dynamic. Seeing yeah. with Paul Dano at the end. Yeah. I was about to say Puss in Boots, but that's not really dad type. Not at all. I don't think there's a dad in that. <laughs> I was just like, Avatar Way of Water. There's a dad element there. D- big time. Loses his son. So the key elements of the emotion checks every box. The humor checks the Guardian's box, but not too much. I kind of like it. Like, it was funny. There was funny moments. Perfect use of the first ever F word in the MCU. I thought it was going to be some... Some iconic scene. They almost did it for Iron yeah. Man, where he almost just said, "Go told Thanos, go fuck himself." Yeah. No, it was him yelling at Nebula to get the get in the fucking car, open the fucking door, <laughs> which is it killed me. Which was a great, perfect use yeah. of it. Um, that so that and Adam Warlock when she's threatening to kill the the fucking dog creature thing, and it just changed like, "Don't be rash." <laughs> I fucking lost it. Two biggest laughs of me in the movie. Circle back. Sorry, I'm going on another tangent. That was part of the reason I gave Plot Slash Story a 16 instead of like a 17. I did feel like Adam Warlock was a little kind of... Okay, yeah, we didn't talk about him. ...thrown in. We, I guess we could talk about that characters more, but that felt like a, the, the the head honchos wanted to develop this character and maybe had a different plan in mind, and James Gunn kind of had to and did the best he could with... It made sense. Like, I think an average moviegoer wouldn't think twice of it, not to say we're like above anyone or anything, but... <laughs> When we're getting super critical in the nitty-gritty of giving a very high score, I think it is worth pointing out. He did feel a little bit out of place in this. I think if you view him as this big, large character and you expect everything to revolve around him, because he obviously is a huge character in the Uh, comics, I think when you view it from that viewpoint, then yeah, he feels like he's rushed and thrown into it. When you view it as someone that the... I can't think of his name. The villain in this movie. The Great Evolutionary. No, high evolution. High evolution. Close enough. When you view it as something he created and another one of his servants, it doesn't feel that out of place for me. I did. I disagree a little bit. It's not even the character. I just think it's the story and like the whole high 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 evolutionary is creating a perfect society, and he'll literally burn the one down to the ground when it's not perfect. But then he has like the gold people who he just likes lets live on their own and doesn't monitor them. Well, so. he said that he's created multiple, and like they listed off different. Like it wasn't just the one planet. He no, has I know, countless but... species out there that he's created and allowed to do their own thing. Um, I, I do see that as the biggest complaint that everyone's having with this movie is he feels like he was thrown in there and possibly rushed. But I just think they had a different. I think they wanted him in this, and maybe there was just differing ideas of what the movie would be between the head honchos and James Gunn. And, you know, obviously the schedule has moved around a bunch. This movie was supposed to be released like four years ago. You know, James Gunn gets fired, gets brought back, pandemic, all this stuff, you know. So just like Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumanium probably should have been a Fantastic Four movie. There probably was a more natural way to introduce Adam Warlock. But I do appreciate that James Gunn didn't let Adam Warlock get in the way of creating a good story because he easily could have phoned it in. And if they would have replaced him with someone that wasn't great – they would have phoned it in and just made it an Adam Warlock versus the Guardians, the Guardians movie, and it wouldn't have worked. So no, he did the best he could with the situation. Back to key elements: humor hits for me, emotion hits for me, 
the MCU elements hit for me. You said something that I'm kind of upset you said before me, but this felt like the first MCU movie the MCU has made in a long time. <laughs> like, yeah, it had everything that you want out of an MCU movie. You know, all the great aspects, the humor, the heart, the storytelling. Um, it was its own contained thing. It wasn't part of this big convoluted thing that con- gets confusing. Um, all of it just hit a home run for me. The cinematography, which is definitely part of the key elements, and we'll touch on that in a second. I I got I gave it a twenty. Yeah, easy twenty. Action's great as well. Action's wonderful. Uh, we'll touch on that again in cin- I don't know. Yeah, well, I'm gonna save it because <laughs> there's one thing for cinematography. No, it's it's an easy twenty. It, it's exactly what you want out of these type of movies. Uh, to where it just has everything, and I think you look at it and like I was saying earlier, how we've had so many introductions to characters. You can get tied up in introducing a character and learning about a character to where that takes away from the storytelling process Mm -hmm. because you're so focused on who is this character? What do they do? Like, I think the like unanimous best phase in the MCU is phase three, which we don't really get introduced to anyone in a standalone movie, except for Dr. Strange. Everyone else is already existing characters. Spider-Man comes in at Civil War yeah, and then yeah, gets yeah. his own movie. Black Panther comes in at Civil War and then gets his own movie. And but then we, you know, Captain America Civil War is what starts it. Doctor Strange. And then we have Guardians 2, Spider-Man, Thor, Which, Ragnarok, Black Panther, Infinity War. I good. I just love Doctor Strange, but it's easily the worst of those movies. Yeah. And it's the one exception. 100%. So. And I think all the thing that all of these have in common, I mean, Doctor Strange and Captain Marvel are unanimously the worst two movies there. Captain Marvel's Phase 3? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was technically Phase 4. Came out before Endgame. People forget. Yeah, but so did Ant-Man and the Wasp. But wasn't Ant-Man and the Wasp technically Captain Phase 4? No. Nope. Oh. Phase 4, Phase 3 ends with Far From Home. That's what it is. The Phase 3 ended one after, not Phase 4 started one before. Yeah. Sorry. So all of those, the worst two are the introductions. And I think that that a lot of that has to do with you get tied up introducing characters and and explaining them. Whereas once you know these characters, you can tell a fun story and we already know what everything's about. So it can be more story focused and we can enjoy what we're getting out of it if it's executed correctly. This feels like it was a, a throwback to that where we weren't getting new characters. We didn't have to learn anything. We're just enjoying the characters that we already know and love. Yeah, and I think that was part of the reason why we gave Shang-Chi so much love when we reviewed that because it did introduce a new character, but did it in such a good way. Like, yeah, I think we said back then that that was the best origin story movie since, fuck, I don't even know. Long time. Maybe ever, honestly. <laughs> I don't think that's that extreme to say that's the best. I mean, I know a lot of people love Iron Man. And, yeah, but I like, think that would be probably the only competition. But if you compare those two, like, just on a level playing field and take out the whole trailblazer element of Iron Man, like... I think Iron Man's remembered a little bit better than it actually is because of everything that came after it and the excitement of what they were building when it came out. So, yeah, I like that point you made, and that really helps with the key elements. But I I just think it's better, too, when you can just focus on telling a singular story and not get so caught up with all the different shit going on. Yeah. Like, at least with the build-up to Infinity War and Endgame, there was the overarching Infinity Stones that we knew we were working towards – but, like, it never felt like the freaking multiverse was opening up and, like, you had to deal with that. But you also had to remember this and remember that. Like, yeah, there was that overall thing it was going towards. But it wasn't like each movie was necessarily super consequential in that. Some movies were consequential. Avengers 1, uh, Guardians 1, you know, X, Y, and Z, all these different, you know, Thor 2, which was 
probably the worst MCU movie of all time, <laughs> you know? So yeah, there was elements of that, but it wasn't like, you know, Dr. Strange opens the multiverse and that's connected to Spider-Man, even though I like, you know, Spider-Man and then, yeah, I don't know, man. That's what I like about this. It's just different. It feels like what we used to have. And I think a lot of that credit has to be thrown at James Gunn for not being afraid to just be like, you guys can do whatever and I'll have Adam Warlock in here so you can use him in the future. But yeah, these are my characters. These are, this is my story that I've wanted to tell and I'm going to finish my story. Yeah. And it's years, years later, (laughs) you know, than he planned on finishing his story. And now he's already hired on at DC, so it's not like he really, I think deep down, probably doesn't give a fuck about what he sets up to help them in the future. He just wanted to tell his story and yeah. finish up his thing. Yeah. And and his handprints are all over this, which gets me very excited for the DCU, mm-hmm. but also very concerning that the only thing that I've really been like to the moon about and, and, and fucking super excited about is made by the one guy who's dipping out. Yeah, but it's concerning. They got to find new directors, you know? Give me a new James Gunn. Yeah. I mean, before Guardians, did you know who James Gunn was? Probably not. I didn't. So, And he killed that. all three of them. Let's jump to visual cinematography, Ty, as I <clears throat> scroll Twitter about the Lakers game. Sorry. Um, I just want to know. I know you have something that you are going to say about visual cinematography. And mm. I want you to start us with that mm. as we head into that category. I fucking love me a one shot. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's cinematography in this movie is, is going to be the visuals, the CGI, which looks incredible compared to the other MCU movies we've had recently. Uh, yeah. Like it's, it's night and day. And it's one of those things where like, Oh, it's a James Gunn movie. But it's the same goddamn visual teams working on this. I don't understand what happened, but this looks so much better than Quantum Manium. It's like they're not even like, in different it, studios, but they have the same thematic elements. They're both kind of like what they're trying to do with the quantum realm, kind of the quirkiness of that CGI and everything is very similar to the weird ass alien creatures we get in this. Yeah, or the fucking like living planet solar system thing that looks a lot better than anything in Quantum Mania did. <laughs> it's so weird. I wonder if they use that stupid ass freaking LED screen that everyone's using that I hate. Everyone loves it because it looked really good in Mandalorian. I looks feel like it's looked horrible in everything since then. I don't think that's true. Um. <laughs> but you also, it's the music. And the music's always a huge part of the James Gunn movies. And it's it's almost a fucking plot point with his stuff. So, yeah, I, I was reading something about how he doesn't, like, he makes the characters the actors listen to the music during the scene before the scene because every song is intentionally put in for different reasons yeah. based on emotions feelings and everything it's not just like i love the beastie boys song let's no, throw it in no. there no yeah and that's attention to detail that shines through the screen well yeah and i mean it's he writes his scripts he said before he writes them and writes what song he wants playing for different scenes in that yeah and it's so intentional and so obvious throughout like in the the final big that hallway scene the one shot Mm-hmm. It's Beastie Boys, No Sleep Till Brooklyn playing. Yeah. That song is about them staying up all night and, and doing whatever and powering through a tour until they finally make it home and are finished. Mm-hmm. And it's like their final, and this is the Guardians' like final push, doing whatever it takes to get through this and get home and, and be done with their mission. Yeah, like it, It's very much right, right on, while also just being an incredible fucking action sequence. <laughs> Amazing. Just incredible one shot, and it's... Again, we get introductions to characters and stuff where it's like, oh, there's these new characters. 
that scene was shot in a way where it's like everyone was like teaming up and doing things with everyone else in the coolest fucking ways possible. Yeah. It was a team that's been doing this together for a long time and they very intentionally they got that chemistry. They choreographed it all the fight chemistry together and Full it, FIFA chemistry. It Nebula's looked, neck literally broke. It looks so fucking cool. That got a who out of me. Yeah, and then she just like fix it and shoot someone. So you were in the drive in. Obviously you could talk to Victoria, but she was asleep, so maybe you weren't able to talk to Victoria. Wasn't talking I don't know if you were talking to yourself. Out. No, I turned the volume up a little bit cuz she was maybe snoring a little. Uh <laughs> You know I'm audible in the movie theater. Yeah. That got a holy shit that was amazing out of me <laughs> as soon as it was over. <laughs> like, I didn't even try to whisper it to Riley. I just said it out loud. Yeah. I wanted the whole movie theater to know how much I appreciated yeah. that one scene. Yeah. It was it was special, Ty. Yeah. I, it's it's fucking great. It's it's great fight choreography, great visuals, great teamwork, great music. It's everything. It's so good. So I'm guessing you gave this a 20 as well? Visuals and cinematography? Yeah. I'm pretty high on them. Yeah. Um. I admittedly, when I put in my score earlier today, wasn't even including some of the music choices that I love. Final song, wonderful. Mm-hmm. Tearjerker. Yeah. Saw a video of. Um, days are over. Of, I don't, I don't know the person, but the person who does that song mm-hmm. in the theaters watching the movie, just bawling her eyes out. No. Which I'm like, that's pretty fucking cool to be a fan of something and then see your work put in mm-hmm. something you're a fan of in such an emotional way for a song that was probably emotional to write and create yeah fucking awesome um i very much factored in the music because that's a big part of the cinematography yeah i i think also on top of everything the cgi finally looked good the music looked good <laughs> but there's also really cool fucking shots yeah the michelangelo shot of peter quill in space and and mm-hmm. and god adam warlock reaching out to him yeah i didn't even think of that analogy was that a tiktok thing you came up with uh I was maybe in my research <laughs> wow that's a good analogy uh, it's it's done so well um with that and him like reaching out and saving him and and different shots of like the high evolutionary and like the person spinning and it zooming in on him the most terrifying fucking shots of rocket in the cage yeah when he's a little raccoon i don't i just feel like i'm high what'd you give it jay you don't want to give your score first all right so i started at an 18 Okay. But, well, actually, sorry. Not true. Started at a 19. Remembered something I didn't like. Moved it to an 18. Remembered that I have a rule. Good one shot. Automatic plus one. Moved me right back up to a 19. Tell me what was the one thing you didn't like. So, throughout this film, they do a lot of aspect ratio changing from widescreen to full screen in different moments. I'm not sure if the drive-in did that. For IMAX? Just the theater I did. I was in. Like, there was black bars and then no black bars? Yeah. That's IMAX. That some things were shot with an IMAX camera, some weren't. It was the same thing in Eternals. That's if you go to like a regular showing, it doesn't do that. I didn't see an IMAX showing. Oh well, maybe it does, but it's the IMAX <laughs> camera. I don't know. I don't know if they did that in the drive-in. They did that a lot. That's not my complaint. I couldn't I, see it in the drive-in, so I don't know. I thought there was a weird thing in like the first like fifteen minutes of this movie. I can't even explain it in words, and this is a podcast, so I'm just gonna sound like an idiot. There was like a weird like fake aspect to it. I don't know. Just like the first 15 to 20 minutes kind of took me out of it. With Radiohead's Creed playing? Not even that. Like just the, the lighting. Creed creep. The lighting like felt like a little overdramatic for certain scenes. Not the rocket scenes because that's obviously very dramatic. But there was like scenes of them on the ship and stuff. Like it didn't look like a soap opera, but it felt a little soap opera-y to me. I don't know what it was. It was a very minor thing. 
but it was something I consciously thought of. It went away, so maybe I either either got used to it or it was just like a few scenes were shot weird. Maybe the lighting was weird that day. Maybe it didn't quite cut up on the chopping room floor, you know, certain sets, whatever. There was just a little bit, and it's just I'm, I'm picking nits here. I mean, I still gave it a fucking 19, but that's what started at a 19, brought it down to 18, but then brought it back up to 19 for maybe the best one shot I've ever seen. Throwing that out there, you're going to give me, you're going to shame me for saying like, other stuff but you're saying that's the best one shot you've ever seen it was so enjoyable i enjoyed that one shot a lot there will never be another one shot like the overhead of john wick <laughs> in that fucking mansion john wick four john wick four that was that was life-changing but very good i thought i was gonna be shunned with my 19 so i'm glad i feel safe i'm in a safe space to to give my 19 here because it's it's just done so well everything the fucking music the the i'm a creep playing to start the acoustic and just like that very mellow, like, you know, Chris Pratt's Star Lord's just in the dumps and a drunk and Rocket it feels like an outsider and everyone's just like existing, but it just sets a tone for this movie that you didn't expect it would start on. Mm-hmm. All through the visuals and music, yeah, and then the music throughout is just so fucking good. You're gonna be like, how old are we? Twenty four. You're gonna be in your thirties, thirty seven ish. Sanders gonna turn thirteen. You'd be like, Xander, today you're finally at an age where you can understand and appreciate something. You're going to sit him down, and you're going to turn on a, a homemade compilation on an unlisted YouTube video you posted. And it's just going to be a three, sh- uh, a one-shot compilation. Yeah. And you're going to make him sit through like two hours of one-shots. Yeah. Just back-to-back, no story connection, no understanding <laughs> of what this is. But... Pausing after each one to explain it. And then in the middle of that compilation, the entire movie, 1911. Or what 1918? was it, 1918? Yeah, 1917. What, one of those? One of the yeah. fucking years. <laughs> that entire movie, and then we're back to just action one-shots. Well, no, that you're going to show the compilation, and then it's going to be followed by, now you could watch this movie, 1917, yeah. and appreciate it. And then you might make him write a paper. I will, I'll consider it. <laughs> I don't hate that. <laughs> he's going to like. He's gonna get an assignment from his like seventh grade teacher, how old, old kids are and when they're 13. Like, write about something that you're passionate about or your family's passionate about, and your, your green light's going to go off. Yeah. You're writing an essay about one-shots. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you <laughs> something, son. This is going to be a, a pride thing passed down from generation to generation. <laughs> I love it. Um, no, I, I think 19's totally fair. I think thematically, too, there's just a theme to these movies, you know, that are that are important. Not every MCU film has that. A lot of movies, superhero movies, don't have that where you can feel – the filmmakers pulse you know their hearts on the pulse they're they're all over this and i love that kind of stuff in movies like yeah you know i mean everything james gunn makes yeah his style is kind of easy to pick like not pick apart but to notice um you know and there is like peacemaker vibes in this like james gunn loves big ugly aliens and you know butterflies who eat you and fucking does all and casting his wife um who's good in this you're just very not, minor role. I mean, everyone's shaming that. His brother's been in every fucking People are actually movie. shaming that? Yeah, if there's like people fake outraged about him giving his wife oh a my job. God. This, Who cares? No one gives a fuck. Who cares? He's That's like very he's like very noticeably like known for casting his friends in everything, too. So people are outraged at this, but there's just been years of Adam Sandler getting away with it. Yeah. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Uh character. a lot cooler sets than just the random blue screen she got to film on too. Yeah. Adam Sandler just takes his wife with him and pays her a paycheck to fucking hang out in Hawaii. That's the life, man. It's incredible. I'm so jealous. Characters. Jay, this is where most of my research comes in. Okay. 
What do you got for me? I like these characters. Okay. <laughs> okay. No, the and it ties back into story, but every single fucking character has their moment in this. Mm-hmm. In just the best way possible. Uh, yeah. I mean, the very obvious one is Groot saying I love you guys and us being part of the family now that we can understand him. Yep. That one hits home and you're like, oh shit. Mm-hmm. Didn't even hit his home home as hard as I thought it would though. Uh, the Nebula and Rocket comparisons where Nebula is now the asshole of the group who hasn't quite dealt with her trauma the same way Rocket has, even though they have very, very similar upbringings of being poked and prodded and yeah. changed around in that connection. Mm-hmm. Um, the villain in this. Just an asshole. Which I think is good. Just great. I love me. I like. Don't get me wrong. I like a sympathetic villain. And I fucking love Thanos and, and how they did that and those kind of villains. Killmonger. Killmonger. Great villain. Yeah. I also just like the dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> There's a line in this. He said, there is no God. That's why I had to step in. That's fucking badass. Even though he probably knows Thor exists, so he kind of... But, like, I don't know. Maybe the gods aren't the gods he thought they were. Yeah. It was like, well, fuck it. I could be a god. Yeah. And just create whole fucking... Civil- He's more of a god than Thor, I'd say. Okay. He brought more to life. Fair. The Gamora... And Star-Lord relationship throughout this. Where Star-Lord is just still very, very deeply in love with this person who has no idea who the fuck he is. Yeah. There's a line at the very end where she says, I bet we were fun. Yeah. Just the most, agree- like, I instant connection to um, everything, everywhere, all at once. With the line, in another life, I would have really liked doing laundry and taxes with you. Just It just hits where it's like... You know that these characters, like, she sees that there could have been a connection there, but that's not their life Yeah, that they had. And, and like, Star-Lord knows that that was something, and it's not there anymore, and he can't have that. Even though, like, it probably very well could have worked, but that's not the path that this version and these versions of these people are on anymore. Yeah. Um, TikTok also fucked me up, because, Jay, last week I spoke about a movie that I said I think would get a perfect score. Yeah. <laughs> that movie being La La Land. I heard your wife thinks that movie's boring. Yeah, she hates it. And it's I don't I don't get it. It's a very huge issue in my marriage. <laughs> <laughs> you just want to reenact La La Land all the time? I do. Like, Tyler, I don't want to yeah. do this. I'm like, I, why not? Like I just come out in my full like <laughs> fucking cosplay. Ryan Gosling cosplay from La La Land. <laughs> um And there's there's the ending of La La Land, spoiler alert, is like them. I've like, never seen it. I don't, I'm saying spoiler alert, it's a very old movie here. Oh my gosh. It's like their life basically flashing before their eyes of what could have been, because they, spoiler alert, they don't end up together. Thanks, Ty. They don't end up together. Thanks, Ty. <laughs> it's like their life flashing before their eyes of what it could have been if they would have made one different choice, mm-hmm. and someone made an edit of like Star-Lord and Gamora with the La La Land music behind it, it fucked me up, so I was like, that's such a good comparison. Nice. This- that connection just, it really fucks me up. This villain's a complete asshole. It's the most emotional shit with Rocket throughout the entire thing and him watching Layla? Lila. Lila die mm-hmm. and all of his friends die. Kind of because of him because he tried to break out and gets caught and he's just I, well, like. They were going to die either way. They were, but right in front of him and yeah. expedited death because of him. Yeah. And his inability to save his his only friends that he ever knew Yeah. to that point. It's just such good character writing. You don't give credit to ensembles the way that I give credit to ensembles. You don't give credit to voice acting the way that I give credit to voice acting. So I know I'm also higher than you in this category. 
if I had to bet. I'm at an 18 out of 20. I love the way all these characters were written. Wow. Uh, okay. I think Star-Lord, Chris Pratt gives an amazing performance. I think Gamora's performance is very understated, but but good. Nebula's is great. Mantis is great. Drax is fucking emotional throughout the entire thing. Drax's performance is wonderful. Yeah. Dave Bautista. And then just really kick-ass villain who, like, was terrifying. I saw people saying they wish they would have got that guy to be king because of how terrifying he was, well, and they wish King was that level terrifying. I mean, and I bet they really wish they did now. They could easily just say that that was a King variant. Yeah, they could totally retcon that and and say the high. It makes sense. How would he have that technology? He has that gravity technology. Yeah. I they probably should if shit really hits the fan with Jonathan Majors because, and I'm gonna get this guy's name right here. He was also in a Peacemaker. Yeah, Chuck Woody Iwuji mm-hmm. is his name. He's fucking great. He was yeah. really good in Peacemaker, and he's even better in this. He got this role because of working with James Gunn in Peacemaker. Yeah. And very right. deservedly so because he fucking killed it. How about when they peeled his face off? Just terrifying. Did you catch on to that? Like the flashbacks, his face is normal and, and oh, yeah. modern time. Yeah. Like they were like, oh, something's fucking going on here. Well, after Rocket scratched his face, I was like, oh, yeah. it's going to be all scratched. Yeah. I didn't I didn't think he'd peel it off and it'd be a that. I thought his face just got so scratched they like reapplied it like yeah. that way. I didn't realize it was literally like a fake mask covering it up. Really gross. Really disgusting. That seems to you, baby. Um, look, I usually save my highest tier category, my highest scores in the characters category for Oscar quality performances. I'm sorry. I just do. That's how I do my scale. We do it differently. You know? And I have given 20s out to characters. Wolf of Wall Street. There's been three. One of which doesn't belong, so I'm not going to say it. You got to say it now. <laughs> Two of them you can know is Wolf of Wall Street and Marriage Story. What's the other one? Marriage Story. Great film. <laughs> Wonderful film. Saw that on TikTok while I was doing Guardians research for some reason. Tell the goodnights. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's perfectly casted in that movie, though. Um, we reviewed that on a March Movie Madness like two, three years ago. So we can, you can go back and listen to my reasoning back then. I'm sure you were probably pounding the table that day saying like, you know what, Jay? You might not have given it a 20, but you were probably up there, too. Um, I was very high. Shout out. Also, uh, French dude in there maria bakalova was from borat subsequent yep. film movie in yep. this as cosmo i enjoyed that dog character are you factoring in the dog character in your character score before you give it yeah i'm factoring in everyone tight look okay. i thought everyone was very good in this i don't think there was an oscar-winning performance i'm sorry there was no angela bassett she should have won best supporting easily should have um just disgusting that she did it which if we go back to wakanda forever i gave characters an 18 I think there's really good performance in this. And I think there really is good character. I actually had a lower score originally. And then I remembered kind of like the character arcs and the, the development, like you mentioned and all that and how everyone had something in this film, um, a moment and had a story that was told and kind of wrapped up and everything. So that, that factored it in, but that I, I couldn't get it up to those upper tiers. The 1819s and the 20s of the world tie. I landed at a 17, so I'm not too much lower than you. Oh, you're one point. Yeah, but to, there's always to me in my <laughs> that's brain that's a huge point it, jump. Yes, the the okay. higher you go up, the the harder those points get. I think if it was Bradley Cooper giving the performance that Rocket gave, you're like, oh, give him the fucking Oscar now. But the fact that it was a CGI raccoon, you were like, ooh, voice acting. I also want to point that's out, I think the Groot scene was not emotional for me. Because, unfortunately, the first thing my brain went to was how much did they have to pay Vin Diesel to say something other than I am Groot. so much money. <laughs> he had to have made so much money for those fucking lines. Like, and especially when he said it, I was like, 
fucking Vin. Like, it's all you can hear. <laughs> what a dick. Yeah, he's... But, I mean, shout out to him. He fucking loves... Do- I mean, I would, too. It's the easiest job in the world. But he, like, goes all out for the red carpet, and he just fucking loves these movies. Yeah. He's their number one fan because it just has... Look, he has his paws over everything with the Fast and the Furious yeah. franchise. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he's got to control everything because it's his baby. He loves just showing up and getting a script of the different things Groot is saying and just fucking around s- saying, I am Groot in a hundred different ways. Yeah. Slightly. And I'm sure he would respond to us and be like, you guys, act- you guys actually, how's my Vin Diesel? You guys actually don't know. <laughs> I'm horrible at impressions. <laughs> he would argue that there's a lot that goes into it. Yeah. Meanwhile, Dave Batista and um, why am I blanking? Zoe Saldana are sitting there getting six hours of makeup done. Yeah. And and uh, Karen Gilligan. Did I get her name correct? Yeah. She's got a lot. Who do you think's got got it worst? Drax has Batista. like all the all the eye shit. I think Batista because he's got all the fine details. It's a lot of fine details. Gamora also has a lot of fine details though. Yeah, that's true. Full body green, and then Karen Gillian has like just prosthetic like metal on her face. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. Seems fucked for all of them. I think Jim Carrey as the Grinch is probably the worst ever. I mean, that can't be great. <laughs> that would probably suck. I think I would end up resenting Chris Pratt if I was on set in this film. Oh, yeah. And all of us had to show up and just get loads of makeup done every fucking day. Like, I had to get there three hours before him every day. I think it's like six hours. And then this dickhead shows up, someone puts on makeup and does his hair in, you know, 15 minutes. I'd be so mad. It's probably a little frustrating. So mad. And then Bradley Cooper's just doing... Can you imagine that, like, just thinking of how long Vin Diesel's in that makeup chair getting all that wood put on him? He's not in the makeup chair once. That's stupid. They should have done... This is why I can't be a filmmaker, because I would have done this and people would have shit on it. What if they just did a meta joke where, like, Vin Diesel was just one of the Ravengers? I would have loved that. Just for, like, 15 seconds, and he has one line, and they're kind of like, you sound familiar. That would have been hilarious. I would have loved that if he was, like, the the speed racing Ravenger. (laughs) They just have, like, one guy in a very fast spaceship. Maybe in the holiday special they could have done that. That would have been great. That would have been a good place for it. That would have been very good. (sighs) Enjoyment high. If old Tyler was reviewing this, it'd be a lock for a 20. It might even be like a 30. And I still feel like it might be in 20 territory. Um, I will lead and say, I, you've been the one hyping this film up like a lot. So it might not seem like it. But I very, very, very much enjoyed this film. Um, Especially for a guy who's going into it who wasn't excited. Ty, what's the thing a movie does that I automatically love it? I say it all the time on the podcast. Those listening at home are repeating right now. One shot. I don't listen to you, I guess. I don't know. If a movie can make me laugh oh, and can make shit. me cry, it's it's just it's going to get it. It gives me both range of emotions. That's yeah. what films are. They're escapism. Not every film does that. Sometimes you got plain, and it's just a lot of you know cool action shots. Yeah, that's fine, too. But There's those a place are, for everything. Those are limited. The best films, no matter it's a superhero movie, no matter it's an animated movie about a cat, whether it's a story of a filmographer's life and his love of cinema or i was gonna say it's a movie about a bear eating cocaine but i don't know how much emotion was actually in that (laughs) if you can make me laugh and you can make me cry emotional you're gonna get credit and that did this and it brought me back to vintage mcu it made me feel like we're back in phase three which i didn't even realize but when you were saying all the movies has a special place in my heart just you know i don't know me and riley got together around that time we started going movies together saw a lot of mcu movies i got her into the mcu it just holds a special place. Oh, yeah. Um, I wouldn't say it's an all-time, all-time favorite, 
but it's definitely my favorite of the trilogy and one of my favorite MCU movies ever made. I gave it a 19 enjoyment and a 91 out of 100. Damn. Damn is right. I mean, you you hit the nail on the head there. Thanks, it Ty. makes you cry. It makes me laugh out loud. It makes me fucking pumped up for action scenes. Yeah. And it makes me really enjoy good storytelling. Very rewatchable, too. Um, well, Riley said she's never watching it again because of the animal scenes, but I think it's very rewatchable yeah. for me. 100%. I, I can't wait till this goes on streaming. I've literally been like finding an excuse to find a way to get Victoria to go and watch this again so oh, I can go watch it again. I heard you're going tomorrow. That's my plan as of now. I want to go. Victoria and I told me you guys were probably going, and I said, damn, Tyler really loved this movie. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I did a lot. And you said old Tyler would give it a 20, and maybe I am old Tyler stuck in phase three. <laughs> I fucking loved this movie. It was a 20. It's not only my favorite of the most recent MCU movies, it's probably in terms of, like, I, I think rewatchability and story and everything, like, going down the line, it's I'm going to say top five for now, but I think it very much could be like a top three MCU movie for me. I love the way it brings all this, this story together. I love everything that it does. Um, this has the second highest score I've ever given a movie on the pod for, for <laughs> I got a 96 out of a hundred. 96. Yeah. I fucking love this movie. Wow. Only one movie has gotten a higher score and that's infinity war at 97. Wow. Nothing else has ever even gotten a 96. Look, I gave it a 91, so it's not like I got a plus 90, but 96? Is there a little bit of recency bias there? I don't think so. I'll let you know tomorrow. <laughs> okay. But the story's good. The comedy's good. I, I, I've i enjoyed these characters throughout the MCU. I, I'm higher on two than I think you are even. I really enjoy that, and seeing it all come together this way and take me back to what I can't, you know, not necessarily a kid because these didn't come out while well, we were, you know, kids. We were like high school when this thing was really fucking I mean, buzzing. But would you consider a high schooler a kid? Yeah, I would. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not like child, childlike. Like, yeah. And it just brings back that feeling for me where it's just like so much fun. Yeah. And it's why it's why I do this podcast is because of how those movies made me feel and wanting to talk about them and stuff. In deep. And then, well, yeah, and it just kind of brings back that feeling for me. It's so fucking good. Honestly, I don't think you felt this way since Top Gun Maverick. That's fair. Top Gun <laughs> Maverick like saved cinema because the pandemic and the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three saved the MCU. For let's you. hope for me. Yeah, let's hope that or it really got me excited for the DCU. <laughs> Are we gonna become DCU guys? I might. <laughs> I'm just a diehard fucking James Gunn guy now. Until well, we're not gonna judge. I mean, well, we're gonna judge and review Flash, obviously, but that's a pre-James Gunn thing. So Blue Beetle will be his first true test because I don't think he's God been. Damn it! I don't think Blue Beetle's gonna be that good either. I'm... But how much involved? We'll, we'll make up an excuse for him. Peacemaker after, first... after after Blue Beetle, yeah, Peacemaker and Suicide Squad Volume Two. What am I saying? Or the, the Suicide, Suicide Squad? Squad. Also Wonderful movie. Good. Really enjoy it. So you know what? His the jury is. It's not out. It's in. He's a good filmmaker. He makes knows how to make action movies, comic book movies. Yeah, very good at it. His worst one is Guardians of the Galaxy Two, probably, and people fucking love that still. Yeah. So what's our consensus score? Consensus score, 93.5 out of 100, wow. making it the third highest movie on our scale. Infinity War, Wolf of Wall Street, 
Guardians of the Galaxy 3, Django, Marcel, 1917, No Way Home. Wow. It's very high up there. Man. Yeah, his next directing movie, sorry, is uh, Superman Legacy, 2025. Yeah. And I'm fucking pumped for it. That'll probably be great. So you said in my it's top five, maybe top three. I just wanted to tell you where it ranked in mine. And again, I'm not as high as it on, on it as you, but it still ranks very high. And I think there's a reason why each of the films rank above it. I have it as the sixth best MCU movie of all time. Okay, talk to me. I got five Endgame. Look, I think in a vacuum, you can make the case that Guardians is more technical than Endgame, blah, blah, blah. I, as much as I loved Guardians 3, and I and as much as you loved it, obviously, you gave it a 96 and you gave it a higher score than Endgame, I think you and I will both agree that the 30-minute peak of Avengers Endgame has been the best thing the MCU's ever done, just from a fan perspective, right? From a fan perspective, yeah. The movie, movie as a whole, I think uh, there's arguments to be made, but that moment from a fan perspective, there's never going to be anything like I it I think again. that holds it up for me. Okay. Number four, kind of the same argument. I think if I were just reviewing these films and it's actually shown on our scale because this has a worse score, but I still, I don't know. I put it up there for nostalgia and kind of what it did is Avengers 1 just because I remember okay. being in the moment of seeing that team-up movie, the first one ever done. It was like, wow, this is amazing. It's incredible. You gave that an 88 out of 100. Number three, my favorite standalone movie, which we've ever actually never reviewed. Well, actually, technically not my favorite standalone movie, um, and that's Thor Ragnarok. Um, I think not on our scale. These two movies are kind of similar in that they both have the director's pulse is all over it. It has the pulse of the movie. Director's, you know, fingers are all over it, blah, blah, blah. It's just a little bit different. Thor's a little bit more lighthearted, funny. Still has the family elements. Has Korg, best character ever. Um, <laughs> but we're, 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 these are close margins here. Number two is No Way Home, just because I love Spider-Man. And it's very much fan service. And it got the same score as this movie. So I think that yep. checks out. And number one is Infinity War, obviously. Yeah. So. I don't think it's abhorrent to have those five films above it. And having it number six is still very, very, very good. Yeah, and I think there's very slim margins between all of those movies. Yeah. I mean, that's a very tight grouping of really good films. Mm -hmm. And that's why I wanted to say three, but so many of them are so fucking good. Yeah. I think, truthfully, I have it above Ragnarok and... That's fine. Probably Endgame as an overall movie. That's fine. Not Infinity War. Probably above Spider-Man, but I probably have Civil War a little bit higher. Yeah, I'm not as high on Civil War. I mean, I, I rank it eighth, but... <laughs> I gotta take a look. I gotta make a scale. Probably should have done that. Er, ranking. Probably should have done that for this. Well, I have my list that is long-standing. Yeah. So, Wakanda Forever was, like, eighth, and I moved it down. It's now tenth. Rounds out the top ten. So... I'm gonna sit down, because I've actually, unlike you, seen all of the MCU movies. I have on the bottom of my list. Haven't seen Captain America 1 and 2 and Ant-Man 1. Fair. Where those movies would rank, I don't know. Probably not that high, but... Captain America 2? Cap well, yeah, that one very high. Captain America 1 middling, Ant-Man 1 middling. Can you guess my 29th ranked movie? Is that the lowest on your scale? Yeah. Thor The Dark World. Correct. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> Followed, Followed by, by Incredible Hulk? Iron Man 3, then Incredible Hulk. Iron Man 3? The fucking anger of what they did with the, the Mandalorian. Not the Mandalorian. <laughs> Whatever his name is. I fucking love the Mandalorian. They retcon it in Shang-Chi, and I think that's why I love Shang-Chi so much. I'm sure I said it on that podcast. Yeah. That they brought justice to that. <laughs> but that pissed me off in the moment. And then Hulk. And then Ant-Man and the Wasp. Fuck yeah. And then Quantumania. <laughs> oh, I got that low? 25th. Forgot that it was even on this list. It's better than Black Widow. Black Widow 22. 
I really valued that opening sequence with Black Widow, and Florence Pugh alone drives that movie to be three spots higher than it should be. You are a Florence Pugh, Sam. You know who else I kind of like, but don't tell Riley, but she might be listening to this? Oh, no. Who? I kind of like Karen Gillian. Gilligan. Sans makeup. What does Sans mean? Without. I just like her acting. That's you, all I'm saying. You big Jumanji guy. I just like her acting. You're that's big, all I'm saying. You're a big Jumanji guy. Just saying. If she wanted to play Tomb Raider, I think it'd be a good casting. <laughs> Didn't they do a Tomb Raider movie? Yeah. It's Angelina Jolie, I think. And like other people. She's pretty much dressed up like Tomb Raider in that film. Um, the reason I'm bringing her up, though, is not just to say I, I like her as an actress. It's to say the Random Rotten Tomatoes audience score movie of the week, Ty. This is a film that has two Guardians of the Galaxy in them, actors in them. Didn't realize she was in this film. Jumanji? I realized she was in Jumanji, Ty. Okay. She was a main character. <laughs> that is the film. It is a film we reviewed on the podcast. No shit. It's on our scale. Yes. Can you guess? With Karen Gillian? And another Guardians of the Galaxy actor. It ha- this movie has a special place in my heart. Ah, fuck, man. I don't know. That film is Stuber. Oh, no shit. She's in this. I didn't even know. I watched that one time for the podcast. I haven't watched it since. I remember really enjoying it. Not as much as I did, though. But, no, not even close. But I don't even remotely remember enough. She plays Sarah Morris. She might have been like a cop or something. I don't fully remember, to be quite honest. Okay. Yeah. I was too busy being mesmerized by Camille Mananjani. He's a great actor. Yeah. That was pre him getting jacked, too. It was. And you were still mesmerized by him. Mm-hmm. He has a commercial going on right now. I don't even know what the fuck it is, but he's in it, and I'm just... I fucking love that guy. He's hilarious. Yeah, he's a wonderful person. Wish he was in a better MCU movie. Um, still in a good MCU movie. What Go do you himself. think the audience has given the movie Stuber with over 5,000 verified ratings? Now, remember, when I saw this movie, there was a couple... Within their first five dates, I'm imagining, sitting right next to me, yeah, literally slapping their knees in laughter. Like actual knee slap. Yes, and that's what made it funnier for me. I've told this on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, look, I don't think that that probably was a well-received movie, critically. Fair. Um, I also think that because it holds such a special place in your heart, you wouldn't have chosen it. If you would have saw a low score, <laughs> you immediately would have been like, no, fuck this. I'm doing something else because that's ridiculous. <laughs> So I'm I think I only have a fifty point range to work with here. It's fifty to hundred for the audience score because I think anything below that it's not it's not making an appearance appearance here. Okay. Um, I think a lot of people love Dave Batista. I think a lot of people love Kumail Nanjiani, mm-hmm. and I think they love fun fun buddy cops. Yeah. Um, remind me of that buddy cop. For got a, got a great idea. Oh. Um. I'm gonna rock. Um, I was going to say 45, but that's below 50. (laughs) Audience, not critics. We're going to go 60. Make it sexual. 69 out of 100. Mm, 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 mm. If only you changed one of those numbers, Ty. Nine or six? 79. The audience, that doesn't count. 79? You already said 69. Was it 79, though? 79% audience score. 42% critics. I never would have guessed 79. That's two prime numbers. I think that might. <laughs> no, it's nine's not a prime number. Oh, fuck you. It's just <laughs> ugly, though. Seventy nine might be a prime number. I think no. it is. Is it? Goes into seventy nine. I don't. Not know. three. Not six. I would have said three. Not nine. Seventy nine's a prime number, Ty. I love how every week you have an excuse why you wouldn't pick a certain number. Whether it be a prime number, the number's too round, the number reminds you of your two imaginary friends whose name I won't repeat on the podcast because that was a vulnerable moment for you to bring them up. 
Uh, and, Say that again. And I don't remember. Um, nothing. We're moving on. 79 is a prime number. That's why it threw me off. <laughs> it wasn't two prime numbers. It was one prime number. <laughs> that includes a, a prime number. Uh, Ty, what are we, what are we reviewing uh, sorry, next Sorry, pause. Um, going back. End of this movie. We didn't touch on the post credit scene. Oh, okay. Legendary Star-Lord will return. Yeah. We're going to be in a team-up movie. Easy. Is it? I think so. Because Adam Warlock's out there, and I think they want to do more with that. And I think Chris Pratt is also out there, and they want to do more with that. And they've been te- teasing Nova, which is, like, very Guardians. You that know. was supposed to be done, wasn't it? Like, wasn't that a confirmed project, and then it, it got pulled? Well, yeah, but I think they're still working on it. Mm-hmm. I think Chris Pratt and a buddy cop with either Adam Warlock or, like, a Nova <laughs> character would do fucking numbers. Yeah, I think that'd be great. Just like a space buddy cop kind of movie. I think that'd be great. Or maybe a series. Or series. Yeah. Of him just like flying around, like saving the day with his supernatural buddy. Yeah. I, I think, think that's that, a great idea. I think you'll write it up. There's a writer strike right really now. Really good. No one else is writing it right now. <laughs> we literally have like proprietary, like this is our time if we want to do it. Yeah. Okay. That was all you had for Buddy Cop? That was it. Yeah, I just, oh, I didn't I get to it. like it. a cool podcast after, or a cool idea after the podcast. You were going to tell me about something outside of this. No, um, no. What not. movie are we reviewing next week? And is it going to hold a candle to. I don't even have to see what it is. Guardians of the no. Galaxy Volume 3. No, it won't. Because I don't even have to know what it is. Uh, Crater. We're reviewing Crater, oh, the God. Disney Plus original movie. Look, it's a bad week for a movie, y'all. We'll be honest. Yeah, they're, everyone was expecting people to still be watching Guardians. Oh, for sure. So for they didn't sure. want to release anything and else. And school comes out is released in like three, four weeks, so they don't want to jump the gun there. Yeah. But it is a Disney movie with a $53.4 million budget. Direct to streaming. It is about five kids based at a lunar mining colony hijack a rover. After his father's death, a boy raised on a lunar mining colony goes on a journey exploring a mysterious crater with his three best friends and a new arrival from Earth before he's permanently relocated to another planet. And it's all child actors. Mm. I will say in the Google cast, it's all child actors. And then, like, you know how it usually has, like, the role beneath their names? Yeah. It just includes Kid Cudi. There's no role beneath his name. It's just Kid Cudi. There's going to be a Kid Cudi song in this. So I I just kind of hope he just shows up as Kid Cudi. Yeah, maybe. Don't make, it doesn't need to make any sense. He has like the one, his one albums about the moon. So that'd, hey, that'd the spec cool. script written by John Griffin was initially featured on the 2015 blacklist, an annual list of the best unproduced screenplays of the year, where it received 34 votes. Wow. And then it was bought by 20th Century Fox, but then Disney bought 20th Century Fox, so then it got uh kind of put on hold there. Um, but so there's reason to believe it might be decent. Who knows? I hope it's good. Um, I will say this feels like an early candidate just because of how good this week's movie was mm-hmm. for worst back-to-back movie score gap we've ever given. The biggest. Yeah. Biggest gap. That'd be a, an impossible thing to calculate, but it's probably a decent chance, but who knows? It might surprise us. Surprise us. It might be good. I, I hope that it's just like an okay movie. I'd be fine with that. It might make me cry. Who knows? It could. It's also child actors who neither of us are fans are. I think I get a lot of the slack for it. You also <laughs> hate child actors. It's not always true. It's mostly true. Like a lot of the times it's true. Child actor in Fableman's pretty good, even though he's probably like an adult playing a 16-year-old. Yeah, no, he's he's definitely over 18. That's all I got for you, Ty. Yeah, go watch that streaming movie. Fuck that. I mean, you can go watch that. Just go watch Guardians again, though. 
Tyler, why don't people listen to the podcast? But also go watch Crater so you can listen to the podcast <laughs> and then get ready to make fun of Vin Diesel the following week for Fast X. Mm. And I'm be on vacation for that. So you're going to get vacation pod, t- Jason. Talking about Vin. So I'm not, li- I don't, I could, I'm not liable for what I say on vacation. I'm going to be in the city of Atlanta when we record that, if we record that on Wednesday. Atlanta? Yeah. Well, actually, we might need to uh, figure something out because I'm going to a Braves game that day. But there's a time change, so it's fine. The Braves game starts at 7, but that's only 4 here. Yeah. Forgot about that. I will be time in zones. my hotel in the courtyard by Marriott in Marietta, Georgia. Address. What room number? Room number 324. Wouldn't that be funny if that was the room I got? Wait, awesome. Um, recording this with Ty. Cross country, baby. Not the first time I've done it. Probably won't be the last because I'm on vacation. But this podcast doesn't work when you love it. Bingo. Love that. that. I don't know. That's so inspirational. <laughs> In the meantime, be a good friend, everybody. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.